VOA, the science edition of Press Conference USA. Here is your host, Rick Pantaleo. Welcome to the Science Edition of Press Conference USA on The Voice of America. I'm Rick Pantaleo. A couple of weeks ago, we featured an interview with Dr. Paul Chodas. He is the manager of NASA's Center for Near-Earth Object Studies at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena, California. Paul and I talked about near-Earth objects, which according to the Center's website are, quote, comets and asteroids that have been nudged by the gravitational attraction of nearby planets into orbits that allow them to enter Earth's neighborhood, unquote. He also spoke about the Center's work and mission of spotting and monitoring objects that could bring possible harm to Earth and its inhabitants. The space agency says about 28,000 objects are occupying the space within Earth's vicinity, with the number of them rising daily. But they also say that they do not know of any comet or asteroid that is currently threatening our planet. They assure us that it's unlikely any is expected to strike Earth within the next several hundred years. They add that if NASA were to detect one, there would be plenty of time, years or decades, to take protective action. Today, we feature part two of our program on near-Earth objects and planetary defense. We'll have two segments in today's show. In segment one, we'll talk about the work of NASA's Planetary Defense Coordination Office. And in segment two, we'll discuss the mission of NASA's Double Asteroid Redirection Test, or DART. It will be the first test of a method of planetary defense against near-Earth objects. My guest for this segment is Dr. Thomas Statler. He is a scientist in the Planetary Science Division at NASA headquarters in Washington, D.C., and is serving as the program scientist for the DART mission. He will talk in depth about NASA's Planetary Defense Coordination Office, or PDCO, and what it does to protect our planet from a catastrophic strike. Tom... Can you tell us about the office's work? I certainly can. The Planetary Defense Coordination Office is the body within uh, NASA's Science Mission Directorate that is responsible for all of our activities that are related to understanding the hazard to Earth from near-Earth objects, that is almost entirely asteroids, but there are also comets that can come into near-Earth space. Basically, it's uh, the analysis and understanding and potential mitigation of the uh, danger to Earth by impact from space rocks and ice balls. That's what we do. I understand that the PDCO is responsible for issuing warnings regarding near-Earth objects and related items. Can you tell us about the warning system that you have set up there? Before there is a warning, of course, there are observations, and we fund and support a number of telescopic searches for near-Earth objects. Those data, as they're acquired by the telescopes, are sent to the uh, International Astronomical Union Minor Planet Center, which NASA funds. That's the international clearinghouse for all observations of asteroids and comets, and those data are, are completely public. The data are analyzed by the Minor Planet Center and also jointly by our Center for Near-Earth Object Studies at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Those two entities have the responsibility of taking the information we have on asteroids, projecting, uh, calculating their orbits around the sun, and projecting those orbits forward to determine whether there is a risk in any sense to Earth. When a potential risk is discovered, it's always in the sense of 
a probability in the future because at the beginning we never have perfect information about a potentially dangerous object it's always uh, a hint an indication that more data more observations are necessary and so the very first thing that happens when there is any kind of a hint that there might be a genuinely dangerous object is that a call goes out to the worldwide astronomical community to focus on this object and get more observations and then it's when those additional observations that additional data is acquired then we can refine our projection of the orbit and determine whether something is is genuinely dangerous now if it ever gets to the point where a warning is necessary then there is a united states preparedness and action plan that was put together under the direction of the uh, office of the president a few years ago and that defines how the u.s government agencies coordinate and how warnings and notices are propagated through government agencies if that's necessary i'd like to ask you about that but before i do can you tell me who does the office report to who are you responsible to so we operate within the science mission directorate in the planetary science division so there's the planetary science division director dr laurie glaze there's the nasa associated administrator for the science mission directorate that's dr thomas zerbuchen and of course the nasa administrator senator bill nelson so the pdco is responsible within nasa among its duties, along with detecting NEOs, issuing warnings, and coordinating with other agencies and emergency service groups, I understand that the PDCO also works to mitigate the threat of potentially hazardous objects. What methods of preventing a possible impact does your office consider, and what technology is being considered and developed? That's right. The PDCO and NASA have the responsibility to study potential ways of mitigating asteroid hazards, and those include uh, kinetic impact, which of course we're testing with the DART mission. Kinetic impact is the most mature of those possible technologies. It is straightforward, it is comparatively easy to implement, and of course, that's what we're doing with DART, is executing a kinetic impact, running a spacecraft as hard as we can deliberately into an asteroid in order to, to move it and change its motion in space. But PDCL has also supported research within NASA and in the, the broader research community on various other kinds of mitigation strategies. Those include the gravity tractor, where one would position a large spacecraft close to the asteroid. It wouldn't necessarily touch the asteroid, except maybe to pick up a large boulder off the surface. That's a possibility that's also been worked. And uh, just station keep near an asteroid and pull on the asteroid by the gravity produced by the mass of the spacecraft itself. That method has the virtue that we know how gravity works. And so there's no question that a pull would occur. The technical challenge would be one of precision station keeping for a very, very long time. And of course, it's a very, very slow force. And so it would have to be applied in cases where you have a very long warning time, a very long lead time in order to uh, initiate and launch that mission and, and make it work. For short warning times, a situation that we hope we never get into, there have been a variety of studies over many years to understand how a large explosion, probably produced by a nuclear device close to the asteroid, could be used to move the asteroid, not to destroy it. That's not something you would want to do. You really do not want to uh, use a nuclear device to fragment an asteroid. One reason for that is that instead of 
one large rock hitting toward you, you could wind up with a lot of small rocks hitting toward you, which is not better. And if those rocks are radioactive, then it's really even worse. But what you would consider trying to do with a nuclear device is to explode it close to the asteroid so as to vaporize material on one side of the asteroid, that material would jet off the side of the asteroid with great force, providing a recoil force. It would look like a momentary little rocket engine made by vaporized rock from the asteroid and push it in the other direction. It's a way of getting more of a push than we could with a kinetic impactor. So those are some of the technologies that have been studied, but I'm sure you can see just intuitively the kinetic impactor is the only one that is ready for a full-scale test right now, and that's why we're doing the DART mission. Let me ask you this, Tom. Are you developing missions to test the other strategies? Not at the present time. There's nothing under development for flight with the other strategies. I know a space telescope called NEOWISE is being used to track and pick up asteroids. Can you tell us about NEOWISE? Sure. So the big distinction between what we can do with an orbiting telescope and what we can do with ground-based telescopes is that from the ground, we are pretty much limited to visible light, which is fine because you can see lots of things with visible light with telescopes, but most asteroids are very dark. They're dark rocks, and and you may possibly have seen recently there have been photographs published of the sample of asteroid surface material that was brought back by the Japanese Hayabusa 2 spacecraft. Those pictures are really quite remarkable because you can see this material in the laboratory, in the, the chamber from the spacecraft where it was brought back, and it's black. It is really dark. So a lot of asteroids are very, very dark. It's, you know, a lot of them are the color of a freshly paved road. They're that dark. And seeing something that dark against the black background of space just with reflected sunlight is very hard. But in space, we can build telescopes that observe infrared wavelengths, and particularly the long infrared wavelengths that are emitted by warm objects. And asteroids are warmed up by sunlight, Hinging on them, they're hanging out there in space in the bright sun. They're coming close to the Earth. They're, they've got as much sunlight as we have falling on Earth. And if they're black, they're getting warm. And so in the infrared at wavelengths of a few microns, you can use a telescope to see the infrared emission from asteroids. And compared to other things in the sky, at those wavelengths, asteroids are very bright and very easy to see. And so the NEOWISE spacecraft was launched now, I've forgotten the exact date, but more than 10 years ago, to do an astronomical survey of the entire sky, but it proved to be very good at detecting asteroids, and then it was repurposed from WISE, which it originally was, to NEOWISE, and it's been doing a great job since then detecting asteroids in the infrared. It has a fairly small aperture, and it conducts its survey in a fairly restricted way, and so it is detecting progressively fewer asteroids as time goes on because it has detected many of the asteroids that it's capable of detecting. But in development now, we have a follow-on mission. The next great thing will be NEO Surveyor, the Near-Earth Object Surveillance Mission that we hope will launch in several years. It will be a much better, much more sensitive telescope also operating in what we call the thermal infrared that will do a much better job of detecting uh, near-Earth objects and will be able to do something that NEOWISE could not do, and that is look a little bit 
toward the sun, not directly at the sun, but toward the sun, to be able to discover the objects that spend most of their time orbiting the sun interior to Earth's orbit, and we know very, very little about those. Tom, I'm wondering if you can fill us in on a couple of future missions to observe asteroids. For example, I understand that NASA is planning to launch a tiny satellite called the Near-Earth Asteroid Scout to a small asteroid called GE-2020. Can you tell us about that mission and its goals? I can tell you just a little bit about it, but I think you'll probably want to talk with some of my colleagues who will be able to do a better job of it. It's a NeoScout is a small set. It's a CubeSat, very small spacecraft with very specific capabilities. And it's going to be testing some of the ideas by which we could do reconnaissance of asteroids with very small hardware. It's going to use a solar sail for some propulsion and navigation and rendezvous with this very small object, be one of the smallest, I think possibly the smallest object ever visited by a spacecraft when it gets there. Another upcoming NASA mission that is scheduled for launch later this year is the Psyche mission. Can you tell us about it and its goals? I certainly can. The Psyche mission is another one of our asteroid missions, and we have a number of different asteroid missions because really there's no such thing as just another asteroid. Every asteroid is telling us a different part of the story of our solar system's history and origins and evolution. And so that's why we have these different missions to, to different bodies. Now, the Psyche mission is going to a very, very interesting asteroid that orbits far from Earth. It's in the main asteroid belt. It is not a dangerous asteroid. It's not a near-Earth asteroid. It's quite far away beyond the orbit of Mars. But Psyche seems to be possibly a unique body in our solar system. It seems to be highly metallic. That's based on the, the reflection signature of radar when radar observations were used to measure the properties of Psyche. The, the reflection was had a particular signature that, that indicated there's a lot of metal there. And planetary scientists have surmised that because of all that metal, Psyche might be a failed core, a remnant core of something that might have been perhaps as large as a small planet that melted internally, differentiated, started to make an iron core like the core of the Earth that has. But then there was some set of catastrophic collisions that broke this body apart. The planet never really formed and this remnant core is left orbiting in the asteroid belt. Maybe that's what happened, maybe that's not what happened. Possibly Psyche is fully metallic, possibly it's not. It's very difficult to tell from Earth what this object is, but it does seem to be unique, and it does seem to hold some really critical clues about the history of our solar system, and that's why we're sending Psyche to go into orbit around this asteroid and study it for a good number of months. Tom Stadler, I want to thank you so much for taking time to join us today and for talking about the Planetary Defense Coordination Office at NASA. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Rick. Great to be here. That was Dr. Thomas Statler. He's a scientist in the Planetary Science Division at NASA headquarters in Washington, D.C., and is serving as the program scientist for the DART mission. Let's take a break. You're listening to the Science Edition of Press Conference USA on The Voice of America. I'm your host, Rick Pantaleo. 
I'd like to remind you that Press Conference USA is available for free download on iTunes. You can find the download by clicking on the iTunes tab on our website, voanews.com slash PCUSA. You may also connect with us on Facebook at VOA Current Affairs or Facebook and Twitter at Carol Castiel VOA. Or you can just send us an email to PCUSA at voanews.com. We're back with the science edition of Press Conference USA. I'm Rick Pantaleo. Today we're featuring part two of our program on the possible threat of near-Earth objects and what is being done to defend our planet. In this segment, we discuss NASA's Double Asteroid Redirection Test, or DART mission. It will be the first test of a method of planetary defense against near-Earth objects. My guests are Dr. Nancy Chabot, Planetary Chief Scientist, and Planetary Scientist Dr. Andrew Rifkin from the Johns Hopkins Applied Physics Laboratory in Laurel, Maryland. According to a press release, the DART mission has been, quote, designed, developed, and is managed by the Johns Hopkins Applied Physics Laboratory for NASA's Planetary Defense Coordination Office, unquote. Dr. Chabot, can you give us a brief overview of the DART mission? Sure. The DART mission is a mission that's being run by NASA, and it's a planetary defense mission. But said pretty simply, it's purposely building a spacecraft and targeting it into a small asteroid to deflect that asteroid slightly. This is the sort of technology that you'd want to use if an asteroid was a threat to the Earth and you wanted to make it so it wasn't going to collide with the Earth in the future. Now, I need to say right here up front very clearly, these asteroids are not a threat to the Earth. So the DART mission uh, stands for the Double Asteroid Redirection Test. The asteroid that it's targeting is not a threat to the Earth in any way. And actually what's special about this system is it's a double asteroid system. So we're going to deflect how one smaller asteroid goes around the larger one within that system. It's a very safe, effective, and clever way to do this first test. Well, let's get into the roles each of you will play for the mission. Can you tell us what you would be doing with this mission, Andy? Yeah, I'm one of two investigation team leads. Most missions that you, you know, a mission to Mars or a mission to Saturn, both have science teams. Since we're a planetary defense mission, we have an investigation team, as we call it. So I'm one of the leaders of that team, dealing in particular with the people working on ground-based telescopes around the world, including in South Africa and other places in the Southern Hemisphere. So what my job is to help make sure that the data that's taken at the telescopes and other places meets the, the needs of the mission so that we can answer the questions and do the experiments and do the tests that NASA is expecting us to do and is, has tasked us to do with this mission. So uh, that's, that's my role. Yeah, I'm the coordination lead. I work very closely with Andy regularly on the investigation team and also help to uh, work issues across our engineering team, too, the ones who are building the spacecraft at APL and ensuring that it's going to hit this very small asteroid, which is a huge challenge in itself, and we've got a great team working that. Our investigation team is uh, is really international, actually. We have nearly 200 members. They're spread around the world, and the telescopes are one important component of that. The DART spacecraft has a camera on it. It's named 
Draco. It's designed off for the similar camera that flew on New Horizons and captured those spectacular images of Pluto that maybe people remember seeing. And uh, so those images are going to come back. We're going to analyze those. We have a CubeSat contributed by the Italian Space Agency. So we've got a number of Italian team members on the team. And that little CubeSat's uh, going to take some pictures of DART actually impacting into the asteroid and get some spectacular images that the team will then try to figure out how all of that ejecta plays into understanding that. And we've got modelers who are bringing state-of-the-art models for the impact event, for the dynamics, for the ejecta together. And all of these inputs come together from across the team and across the world. And uh, part of my job is to help coordinate all of that. It's going to be a lot, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Nancy, can you tell us how this program, this mission came together? How was it developed? Well, it's interesting, you know, and there's a there's a great story here. So one of my colleagues, Dr. Andy Chang, he's actually the one who hired me at APL, actually. So I already have a fondness for him. But he has this story where he was working out in his basement one morning, and it just kind of came to him to use this double asteroid system as a way to do this deflection. So why the double asteroid is so unique is because we're measuring how one asteroid goes around the other one for the deflection, and that's a much easier measurement to make with telescopes here on the ground than deflecting something and how it goes around the sun. So along with being a safe way to do it, it also is really enabling for making the measurements. So people had been worrying about asteroid deflection, and that wasn't a new topic, but this double asteroid system that Andy Chang came idea came up with was really new. And then he uh, went to various conferences and socialized it internationally because planetary defense is an international issue. We're all on this planet together. So we worry about this together. And it got some traction. And then NASA started investing in the DART mission in 2015. And then we just launched in November and on our way for impact in September 26th of 2022 this year. I understand that the spacecraft will kinetically impact the test asteroid. Can you please explain what is a kinetic impact, Andy or Nancy? Whatever you can tell us would be appreciated. Absolutely. When deflecting an asteroid, it's not like uh, you might imagine a a goalie who has had people coming at him with a ball or a puck and who kind of swipes it aside. The problem with an asteroid impact is much more similar to having two trains that are on intersecting tracks. And you have a problem if the timing is going to be such that both trains are going to be at the crossroads at the same time. So it's the same sort of thing in a sense where you have a problem if the asteroid and the Earth are going to be on their crossing the crossroads of their orbits at the same time. So for to avoid an asteroid impact, to deflect an asteroid, we usually think more in terms of speeding up or slowing down the, the object we're worried about. And if we can speed it up or slow it down by enough, then it will miss the Earth and it won't be at the same place at the same time. The kinetic impact or technique is, as Nancy said earlier, just the simple idea that we're going to take an object, we're going to take a, uh, our spacecraft, and we're going to ram it into the object Dimorphos, and we're going to change its speed around its main body, Didymos, by just a little bit, and that will change its orbit around Didymos in the same kind of way that if we had an emergency, we would want to change the speed of an asteroid going around the sun so that it would not arrive at the same place at the same time as Earth. So that's what a kinetic impact is. That's what DART will do, and then we're going to measure the effects of that collision between DART and Dimorphos with the telescopes afterwards. 
Nancy, I'm curious, will the spacecraft contain any explosive device or will the experiment depend on just the energy generated during impact? Yeah, this really kinetic impactor technique doesn't have any explosives. It just comes in really fast. So the DART spacecraft is uh, about the size of a golf cart, a small vending machine, two meters cubed on side. You can compare it to a variety of objects. It's going to come in at 6.1 kilometers per second. 14,000 miles per hour, and it's going to hit the Morphos that Andy was talking about there, this asteroid that's uh, like the size of the Great Pyramids or the Colosseum. And so you can see that it's this much smaller spacecraft, but it's coming in really fast. And the important thing here with this kinetic impactor is definitely deflection, not disruption. We are not trying to blow up this asteroid. That's not what you would do with this kinetic impactor technology. It's really a small nudge that adds up to a big position in time. So like Andy was saying, you don't have these tracks that are on a collision course in the future. So it's really being tested as NASA's first planetary defense mission to demonstrate asteroid deflection technology because it's a mature technology. It's a straightforward technology. Bring something in that's got a certain amount of mass, give something else much larger, a small nudge. Why has this method been chosen to test first rather than others to help prevent a potentially catastrophic collision? That's a great question. Right now, we think there are only three or four techniques that are mature enough that they're worth trying out, that we could usefully try them. One of them is, like in the movies, using a nuclear device to detonate and vaporize part of the asteroid and use the shockwave to move it. But testing that in space is against many international laws, so that's not something people want to do. The other technique that is thought to be mature is something called a gravity tractor. And that's a really interesting technique where you use the mass of the spacecraft to gravitationally attract the asteroid you're worried about and change it in its orbit. But that takes a very long time. That is really well suited to small objects and objects where you you have a long time to make change. So it would take decades to really test that one out. The kinetic impactor is something that is technologically mature that we know how to do, we, we believe, and that we can get the results back pretty quickly. So we'll, we'll know pretty, pretty soon whether it works and how well it works. Nancy, can you tell us a little bit about the spacecraft itself, its launch, and any onboard instruments? Yeah, so the DART spacecraft itself is sort of a boxy-looking structure. It's got uh, one instrument on it, Draco, the camera, and this will serve an important point of not just imaging the asteroid, but actually ensuring that you target the asteroid. I'll come back to that in a second. So along with that, though, if you uh, were able to look at the spacecraft now in space, it would look much bigger than just this part of the main spacecraft body. And that's because it's got these rollout solar arrays. So when they launched, they were rolled up into spiral cylinders, and then they rolled out in space. And now it's 18 meters tip to tip because of these really large solar arrays. But most of the mass is in the main body of the spacecraft, and Draco is the main payload on there. We want to see what this asteroid looks like. We want to see what Demorphos looks like. We want to see its shape. We want to see where we hit. But most importantly, we really want to make sure that the spacecraft hits Demorphos. And because you're coming in so fast and these objects are so small, and Didymos is nearby, the main asteroid, you can't actually tell the difference in the images between Didymos and Demorphos until the last hour of the mission. So you can see this has to all be done without people 
in the loop. The spacecraft has to be smart enough to figure out which one is Dimorphos out of those two bright lights once they separate and you can see those two dots rather than just one target onto Dimorphos. And the images that you get from that camera on board are done autonomously with this system that we call SmartNav, uh, developed at uh, APL. We're really proud of it because it's going to go target onto this smaller asteroid Dimorphos and ensure that it hits that as nearly head-on as possible. It's one of the main technological challenges for this mission. It's also a really great technology for targeting small asteroids, just like you might need for future planetary defense missions. Andy, my last question goes to you. How will you be able to determine whether the mission was a success or not? There are four things that we need to do in order to be considered a success. The first, and the one that all the others really do depend on in a lot of ways, is to hit the Morphos. So we will know if that happens, most simply because the engineers will stop hearing from it at the time we expect it to hit. So hopefully that'll happen. The other things are to cause a particular change or a particular amount of change in the orbit period of the Morphos, again, from 11 hours and 50 five minutes to a change of at least a minute and and 10 10 seconds or a minute and 13 seconds. And then we need to measure that to some precision and then make a a measurement, as, as Nancy said, of how much of an extra push the debris causes. So we'll be making measurements using telescopes on Earth. From the Earth, Didymos and Dimorphos will only ever appear as a single point of light. Just like on on DART itself, it appears as a single point of light until the last hour or so. From Earth, we never get that close. So we're going to watch the brightness of that point of light get brighter and and fainter. And by measuring that pattern, how often it gets brighter and fainter, we'll be able to measure the orbit of the moon. Because the, the reason that it gets fainter is because the moon moves in front and the moon moves in back, just like an eclipse. So by measuring that brightness, uh, very precisely measuring the time between these dimmings, uh, we'll be able to figure out what Dimorphos' new orbit is. And by comparing that to uh, the data we picked up before the DART impact, we'll be able to understand what we did and answer these questions. Nancy Chabot and Andy Rifkin, I want to thank you both for bringing us up to date and telling us all about the double asteroid redirection test or DART. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us. That was Dr. Nancy Chabot, planetary chief scientist and planetary scientist, Dr. Andrew Rivkin from the Johns Hopkins Applied Physics Laboratory in Laurel, Maryland. I'm afraid that's all the time we have on this science edition of Press Conference USA. I hope you enjoyed today's program on near-Earth objects and planetary defense. This is Rick Pantaleo reminding you to join Carol Castiel next week for another Press Conference USA on The Voice of America.